Welcome to Hashtag No Filter with me, Stephanie and A, a podcast which provides career advice from industry experts. Every episode, you'll hear how each trailblazing guest built success and what they do to bring a sense of wellness into their world. You're listening to real people with real stories, with real success, and who need no filter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Hashtag No Filter. Today on the show, I'm joined by Jake of Jake's Vegan Steaks, the UK's first 100% all-vegan Philly cheesesteak restaurant. During the episode, Jake and I talk about the naughty and indulgent ultimate vegan steak experience, how he built a booming vegan business, and how he looks after his and his staff's well-being. Please beware that this episode can cause serious Philly cheesesteak cravings, and I would advise not listening to it on an empty stomach. No filter. Welcome to Hashtag No Filter, Jake. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. So exciting. Yeah. So for anybody who is unfamiliar with Jake's Steaks, can you tell us a little about who you are and what's on the menu at restaurants, please? Sure. So Jake's Vegan Steaks is all vegan fast food company. We specialise in American-style Philly cheesesteak sandwiches and loaded fries. So you can expect naughty, indulgent, honest food that resembles meat, but it's completely vegan. So I launched the company back in February 2017 on Portobello Market. From there I did street food events, festivals, pop-ups, and now we've landed at our shop on Holloway Road, where we also have a pub residency next door, and we serve an extended menu to that of the street food style. Exciting. So I love the menu, and there's always something, I think there's new on there, always something that I don't see anyway. How do you manage to keep creating such exciting new options to serve? I think the main focus and inspiration has been from the Philly cheesesteak joints in Philadelphia. For people that don't know what Philly cheesesteak is, it's thinly sliced ribeye steak that's kind of finished on the grill, caramelized onions and cheese sauce, which is kind of stuffed within a soft hoagie roll. So it's all about simplicity. It's all about the simple ingredients. And that's what I really kind of fell for when I started this concept is the simplicity of the product and also tying in veganism to that. It's the perfect combination, something that doesn't look vegan, and it is. That's kind of what I went for. So for the first three years in street food, that was always the main focus for kind of like ease of service and to kind of keep things simple. It was a seitan, so the seitan steak. We had the Philly cheesesteak steak sandwich, and then the same thing loaded on top of fries, and people loved it. You know, it was there was no 100 item menu it was kind of this is what you're getting vegan steak alone it's kind of like whoa what the hell is that like i don't need to try anything else so yeah we ran with that and then when we launched the takeaway shop i was like okay we have to keep it interesting we have to mix it up we did actually start off with just kind of basically the market menu and then over time i was like do you know what let's add a specials so we added a chicken range and we collabed with this chicken we did nuggets loaded fries and then we also launched a brunch in the pub which uh, took off and then a salad the Caesar salad was amazing it's probably one of my favorite dishes actually but over time we've taken it off to kind of streamline the menu but it will probably be back at some point uh, and then of course desserts as well so we wanted to hit all those boxes and also because we're in a new market in North London as you said earlier you know there isn't that many vegan options we want to be able to have an extensive offering and build the Jake's Bean Steaks brand and be able to cater for all walks of life really yeah 
I think that you've done it incredibly yeah. well. Thank honestly, you. Like, You're very I, kind. I grew up with Fresh Prince of Bella. Did you? Right? Yeah. So I was like, I always knew what a chili. Uh, uh, <laughs> Everyone says chili, it. Cheese. chili feast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know, being a vegetarian all my life, anyway, I had never had these options. Sure. The only meat substitute food was in the supermarket. Yeah. So I was out with friends. Nothing yeah. was ever available to me yeah. apart from chips, and they're like yeah, so bland sucks. and tasteless. So when I came across your Philly cheesesteaks yeah. it's just like I've died and gone to heaven really yeah absolutely you, so you've never had steak growing up or anything no no nothing at yeah. all it was like tofu I think like little bits of seitan seitan yeah yeah um, but I don't know maybe because I grew up slightly outside of London I didn't have these options available to where did you grow up close to Reading okay yeah, so not like completely out in the sticks, mm. but I just don't think veganism really took off until what, 2014? I think it was 2017. Yeah, it was 2016, wow. 2017, I think was the real, when it started to really pick up. I mean, before that, you could kind of see different milk alternatives crop mm. up. Again, it was all supermarket based. And I think it all just popped off in, oh. in the end of 2016, 2017. Yeah. When did you create Jake's steak. So I discovered Seitan. The reason I say it was around that time is because I discovered Seitan um, at a vegan fair in October 2015 and I turned up, I was slightly hungover and I was just like, I don't really want to be here but I'm open to it because I'm a foodie. It wasn't like vegan nights or anything like that. It was just very simple and it was very hippie and I discovered Seitan and I was like, do you know what? This is great. Like any of my meat eating friends would enjoy this and that's when I started playing around with it I started playing around with the flour vital wheat gluten and I think that after eating it you you know that it's so similar to meats you know the texture and the appearance that's what I fell for I started playing around with it and I was obsessed with it for about 12 months I just started playing around with the flour and then finally I had a, a product that I was happy to uh, run with and then yeah I launched Shakespeare and Steaks yeah you were playing around with the seitan, playing so around. it doesn't come pre-packaged? So or? it comes in a flour form. So if you were to think of regular baking flour and you were to knead that into a dough and then you were to wash that under a tap, you extract all the starch and carbohydrates from it and you're left with insoluble gluten. So it's been used for hundreds of years by Russian wheat farmers that had it in abundance and Buddhist monks that would live on a vegetarian diet. It's been a protein source for such a long time, but that's what it is, basically. It's insoluble gluten. That doesn't really sell in this day and age, if you would say it's insoluble gluten, but that is basically what it is. And I basically buy the seitan already. I buy it dehydrated, and then we add our own special flavours to it. And then the process begins and we finish it off and shred it for this cheesesteak, yeah. Amazing, so it's like you're in secret. It's super versatile though, honestly. Like it's any meat alternative out there, unless they specifically say it's gluten-free, has some sort of seitan in it. It's also used in baking for strengthening bread like ciabatta and stuff like that. But it's everywhere. But yeah, I love it. Yeah. yeah. I prefer it to other kind of meat alternatives because you can sink your teeth into it exactly. more. Yeah, it gives you more of that real steak experience. Well, it's also got the same amount of protein as beef itself. So once you finish eating it, you still get that satiation you normally would with a normal meat. Mm-hmm. That's why I think it's so popular as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, vegan cuisine is definitely hot on the cuisine list, if that's the right way to describe it. But I've got a lot of friends that eat meat and they all really enjoy it. Do they, yeah. yeah, really enjoy it. 
So how would you describe the ultimate vegan steak experience that your customers get when dining at Jake's Steak? I would say it's very indulgent. It pleases all the senses. So visually, you're looking down and you're seeing something that doesn't look vegan. You know, it's covered in cheese. And going back to the simplicity of it as well, it is simple. There's no frilly bits. It's not covered in 100 different toppings. It's just seitan, cheese, caramelized onions sitting in the bun and once you tuck your teeth into it it's super naughty it's moist it's juicy it's umami salty it's sweet it's fatty it's mouth-watering so it kind of hits all those pleasing senses if if that makes sense and uh yeah it's a different experience my mouth is watering is it you're hungry now (laughs) seriously so what inspired you to create jake steaks and how did you make your vision into a reality So I didn't want to interrupt your story because it's an interesting one too, but I was vegan growing up. So my whole family are vegan. Basically growing up, I always had this fascination with meats, real cheese, the fast food industry, you know, growing up and seeing your mates walk off to McDonald's and getting a happy meal, you're like, oh, what's that all about? You know, it's colourful, it's bright. So I was vegan up to the age of 10. And looking back now, you know, especially the way I eat now, we lived on such a healthy diet. You know, we were similar to you, like tofu and beans and lentils, pulses and whole grains, all that kind of stuff. And I'm very thankful that I I grew up with that diet. But when I got to about 10, I started to go to my mates' parties. I was dabbling with real pizzas and chocolate milk and all that ice cream. And then I went to culinary college when I was 16. And that was kind of like the crossroads. It was kind of like, okay, my mum was like, I want you to go because you're passionate about food and people and all that jazz. But she knew that I'd start eating meat and she's she's vegan for ethical reasons. Mm. But I just did it. It was my way of kind of going, do you know what? I'm going to try it and I'm going to go for it. And I learned how to cook. So I spent, you know, half the time in the kitchen and half the time studying the front of house of the hospitality operation. And that's when I really kind of discovered meat. You know, I think the first thing I tried was duck. We were doing like a oriental cuisine and I just knew it. I had my chef bites on, sharpening the knife. He had to dissect this duck and I was like, do you know what? I'm going to eat a duck. And, you know, you're looking down at it and it's, everyone else in the class was like, yeah, I see this all the time at home. But for me, we never had meat in the fridge. I think the only thing we had was dog food and that doesn't look like meat, does it? Count. Do you know what? It's almost like, I don't know if you've had, ever gone for a long period of like a drink, alcoholic drink or sugar or cigarette or whatever. But once you taste it again or have that again, it's so foreign and it's a bit of a shock to the system. That's what it was like with meat. I hadn't really eaten it. The reason I say that is because I did accidentally try a drumstick at a kid's party when I was like five. My mum had a fit and I kind of got the idea that it was squidgy and flesh-like. Then I went to the States. Instead of university, I jumped straight into the hospitality industry and I learned the trade in Miami, north of Miami, Florida, Boca Raton. So I worked in a private members club there, learned a lot about American cuisine and outside of work, I fell in love with the fast food there. And then when I came back a year later, I worked at Harris for three years. So I worked in the meat and fish hall there, I worked in all 27 restaurants, got a chance to do all that, worked in events. So I kind of fell for the industry and kind of how diverse it is and how much variety there is in food. But as time went on, I felt my roots calling me and I could feel that I couldn't grow within the industry if meat was involved in my life because I didn't actually agree with it. The reason I didn't go into the kitchen to work Mm -hmm. was because I didn't want to handle the meat. I think learning how to cook at college 
was a shock for me and that was enough. I didn't really want anything to do with it. Starting off when I first went properly vegan, which was December 2016, I was that vegan that was angry at everyone, you know? I was that vegan that was disappointed that people couldn't see my view and, and see that animals are suffering. The reason I mentioned that was because I understand that it's a journey and it took me a while to go vegan. That's the whole point. It took me a while to go vegan. I always knew since I discovered Satan in 2015, I knew that's what I wanted to do, but it took me a while to ease off the cappuccinos with real milk. It took me a while to give up my eggs for breakfast, you know, and as I've matured in my vegan journey and in business, I've realized that there's no point in forcing your opinions down someone's throat, but inspire people with the way that you live and how easy it is to live ethically you know and have fun with it that's kind of where i'm at now yeah like more showing them and like giving them the experience as you said rather than trying to teach somebody i guess people are more inclined to be open to something if you're rewarding them Mm. rather than Mm. trying to beat into them i suppose i think just by trying new things and showing people different alternatives yeah rather than yeah constantly like protest your point yeah Yeah, i think people are more inclined to switch off so i think it's really interesting how you were able to switch it and transition to that kind of way of doing it is is really quite an accomplishment i think i think for me in addition to that i think there is a definitely a time and a place for the shock factor of what's going on behind closed doors. It really worked for me, you know, when Cowspiracy came out on Netflix, also Earthlings, Uh, if you want to delve even deeper, you've got Land of Hope and Glory and the real nitty gritty of what's actually going on and how your food gets to your plate is just horrific. And I needed that, I needed that because I knew it, I knew that all that stuff happens, but because I was so involved in the food industry, when I'd eat at home and stuff, my parents would tell me all this kind of stuff, and I was like, yeah, it's fine, I've got this, I've got this, but I just had the will over my eyes, you know, I just didn't want to see it because I was comfortable, and that's what it comes down to is habit, it's all habit, everything's habit, um, you know, you've got the traditions in place. Fortunately for me, I didn't have that at home because they're all vegan, so I've had that kind of step ahead where um, we don't have a turkey in the middle of the table, we have nut roast and all that kind of stuff, so that was easy. But for me, it was the convenience of just eating a chicken pesto sandwich and pret, whatever. Yeah, it was a habit. And taste, I enjoyed the taste. Don't get me wrong, I get why meat eaters like the taste of meat because you've got seasoned well, tastes great on a char grill. You know, I get it, I get that part. And that's the whole point of Jake's Bean Steaks is bringing that back and going, you can have it, you can have everything you want and we want to make that accessible and we want it to be part of your journey. That's the thing. I think because you do offer people such a wide range of options and it does taste incredible, why should they go somewhere else when they can get what they want at yours? When you transitioned from selling at food markets to a permanent venue, what was required in terms of business strategy, employing staff, obtaining licences and and just like things like that? Yeah, the transition was quite easy, actually. If you go to the shop, you can kind of see it's it's a similar setup. So it's a similar size to a double-fronted gazebo. You know, we've got a sturdy roof over our head, but the concept's quite similar. It's get in, grab, go, perch at a stool, eat food. The menu's quick, you know, we're quite confident with the speed of, of how we push out the products as well. So the transition was easy. I already had the staff in place. I think the most challenging aspect was to go from kind of two or three days 
trading with lots of volume mm. to seven days a week and spreading that out. The operational side of it as well, systemizing everything and having that in place and also juggling three different outlets. So we've got the pub next door, which pre-COVID had 120 seats. So it got really busy in there, 400 standing. We also have the Arsenal Stadium right next door. So all the fans would come by and tuck in. And then also delivery. So we've got Uber delivery, we were running with Just Eat. So that was challenging, kind of managing all those aspects. But yeah, other than that, we had everything else in place, documentation in place. Uh, The strategy was basically to tap into a market that we haven't before, so North London. Primarily, we were based in East London before, Mm -hmm. so Vegan Nights, Victoria Park. So that was a challenge, you know. Like you said earlier, there's not many vegan options in this area. So for us, it was about building that community and strengthening the brand in London and, uh, yeah, pushing on. It's weird that there's not that many cases around North London, I find. There, there are places cropping up now. I think over the last 12 months, there's been quite a few more. And also the radius on Deliveroo and Uber, especially now with COVID, it has become a lot more competitive, that makes sense, because everyone has a, a greater reach. So I think delivery has changed the game since this year basically yeah Yeah, since it's boomed well it sounds like you are killing it in every aspect of doing the food doing the marketing business strategy do you think that aspiring restaurant owners should have business qualifications or experience in cooking or hospitality or is it a combination of all three that aspiring business owners should have i think it's a great question i think it really really helps if you've had some experience if i'm being honest I'd be lying if I said it was easy. The hours are grueling. Everything's perishable, so you have to be on top of that. You have to be able to manage your stock wisely. If you haven't had any experience, I'd highly recommend taking a short course or at least doing your homework on how the operations run within the restaurant sector. And also just getting stuck in. Just before you start, take a couple of years, I'd say, to work somewhere. Yeah, get that under your belt, for what, sure. What was it like working at Harrods? Harrods was great. Yeah, it had a lot of different cuisines under one roof and a lot of different service styles from quick service counters, which I spent a, a lot of time working out on the on the ground floor where you'd only have 26 seats and you'd just be turning them over constantly, constantly, constantly. That was a great experience to find dining, tablecloths and five courses to buffets to all sorts. So yeah, I started off as like a private butler if it were for the royal family of Qatar and celebrities so I'd be working from kind of 6am till 11 12pm and then back in to do it again so I've had that experience I know what it takes to run a food and beverage Mm. business and it's not glamorous I think street food as well which is where a lot of people start a lot of physical labour it's a lot of very early morning starts to a lot of late finishes. Sounds really demanding. Yeah, it is demanding, but again, you've got to be passionate about it. And that leads me on to a few other points. You know, you have to be passionate about delivering that service and food, I think. Mm. So you have a really impressive Instagram account and quite an impressive following to go along with it. Did you have an Instagram strategy or did it just kind of like come naturally? Looking back, it was a natural process. I'd start off by, you know, a launch on Instagram and I'd be dripping content during the week to get people pumped up for the markets. And then early on the day of trade, I'd jump on the gram and say hello to everyone and be like, hey, I'm actually here behind the grill. Come down, have a chat. And it was more than just come and buy my food. It was come down, see what we're all about, try something unusual that you're going to love. And yeah, I think that's what kind of 
helped me boost sales over time and build a fan base is kind of connecting with them yeah you used to do your live didn't you he used to do a lot of lives that was was fun watch it was really interesting yeah and you used everything that was available to you i kind of got and what it appears to have really worked so i think that you you really if you didn't have a strategy you used everything that was available to you anyway and it it goes to show Mm. that it does pay off don't get me wrong as time has gone on taryn my wife came on board earlier this year in march and Prior to that, Taryn took over the social media to give me a bit of a break. She's done an amazing job. She's worked her socks off to build the online brand we've got today. Really focusing on engaging with the fan base and quizzes, polls, you know, asking people what they really want. Also cross-promoting. So the vegan community is very strong. You know, we all support each other. So cross-promoting each other has helped us build up a following. And I think the cross-promoting is really important. Yeah. I think it's great to be in a community. But also because everybody's got different things to offer... I think it's great to promote each other Absolutely. and for everybody to do well instead of just one person trying to do it all because I don't think that one person can. Yeah. People will always go somewhere else for variety. Yeah, yeah. It's great that you offer people variety but people want to go to other places so I think that's really, really incredible. Thank you. As a restaurant owner, what challenges have you faced and how have you overcome them? Wow, it's a big question. I think the obvious one is COVID. We didn't expect it. It just kind of slapped us in the face, but we've had to learn to adapt, be nimble and kind of navigate our way through the challenges. I mean, they're arising every week. You have spikes at Eat Out, Help Out was a massive boom for the business. And then, you know, it kind of dwindles off a little bit. I mean, we had to make big changes to the way we operate. Obviously, we were lean on staff while everyone was locked down. So we had to kind of systemize everything, change suppliers so we, to reduce admin time. And yeah, I mean, the hospitality industry and trade relies on people dining in and that experience. And when that's completely taken away, delivery has been a big part of that change and focusing on building that. But yeah, it has been a test. I think overall mindset has been everything for us to stay healthy, to keep positive to have a plan in place and continue to work on a strategy to pull us out of it and continue building and also give back our fans and customer base have been completely supportive throughout the whole process and encouraging throughout lockdown we had messages on on the receipts going we love your food keep on going guys you're doing a great job and that was what kept us going you know when you're in a kitchen and smashing out the orders and that comes through you know it just yeah it does inspire you to keep going perseverance and of course veganism has been a big motivator for us to keep on going, you know, because it's more than just, oh, we, it's the business. It's No, it's a movement, and we've been part of it so far, and we want to continue growing with it, yeah. You're really looking at the bigger picture. 100%, you have to. You really have to. Yeah. How do you think that COVID has affected the meat-free market or vegan restaurant industry? Yeah, I mean, you know, on from my last point... Um, it will continue to grow. The stats are saying that a quarter of all Brits in the next five years will be veg or vegan, which is amazing. So I think it's just going to continue to grow. I think people are becoming a lot more conscious uh, about their choices as well um, and how that affects the bigger picture, as you just said. And not only the animals, but their health and then the environment, of course, that comes with um, eating meat. So, um, yeah, I think that plays a massive part in the change yeah yeah do you think people starting a vegan business also need to follow a plant-based diet or is a vegan business something that everybody can do regardless of lifestyle choices i mean i'm one for promoting veganism in all ways but i think to start a successful business you do need to be passionate about what you do 
and believe in kind of what you're offering the world for two reasons. The first is, you know, when the times do get tough, you've got that drive to keep pushing you through. You believe in what you're doing. And then secondly, your customers are more likely to buy into your narrative and want to follow your journey and buy from you regularly if they believe in what you're doing. If it's more than just in exchange for a product and cash. I feel like, especially with social media and everything like that, you know, there's a real story that goes behind a brand now. And that's so important as we touch base on marketing. You know, it's all about the authenticity of the brand, I feel. For me, veganism comes down to ethics. I'm doing this for the animals and that's what drives me. It's I've got a deeper purpose for it. Yeah, each to their own. I think it's a journey, like I said, and I don't have a problem with people starting a business if they're not vegan I think you can be like a foodie who's yeah, really into the taste and texture and all these different flavours. So, yeah, definitely. I, I agree with you. I think you can start a, a vegan business without being vegan. I grew up being vegetarian. And to be honest, I think that I wouldn't have had a problem eating meat if my parents didn't bring me up being vegetarian. But now as I've got older and well, I make my own choices, I don't know whether I should be making my own choices. But anyway, that's probably a different story. I do it for ethical reasons now. And I still wouldn't have an issue buying vegan food from somebody that wasn't 100%. wasn't vegan. Yeah. Because I think that everybody deserves to make their own life style choices sure. and you know if that person was to back a vegan restaurant i think it's sure. incredible putting yeah. out those options for people but at the same time people have to make choices for themselves and yeah i think that you're right you, d- you don't need to be you employ people that aren't vegan to work in the kitchen 100 percent. Yeah, yeah yeah we we're, we're very inclusive we have a few people that aren't vegan but they believe in what we're doing and it's part of their journey i guess you know yeah. They decide to work and they enjoy the food. Like going back to what you said about being a foodie, that's the whole point, you know, that's the whole point of Ryan Jake's been states because vegan food is amazing. Yeah. It's so tasty and I don't blame anyone that's not vegan wanting to start a vegan food business because it is amazing. Yeah. The food is incredible, yeah. yeah. And it's a business at the end of the it day It is a business, well. yeah. And people need to make a living and, exactly. and it's on trend and it's booming. But um, the points I made were just... From my experience, it's easier when the time, you know, we're going to get tough and stuff to have a deeper purpose yeah, to drive you forward. That's so it. Important. That was the point I was making, yeah. The restaurant kitchens have a reputation for being quite high-pressure places to work. What's the culture like in the kitchen at Jake's Steaks? I feel our kitchen environment's pretty relaxed, actually. I mean, of course, it does get intense and steamy in there when the orders start flying in, but we're quite specific with the people that we hire and we want to make sure that they believe in the brand and that they're able to work independently but also within a team and that really shows when it does get hot and steamy in there that you know people work together to get through and and work towards you know the common goal but also from my experience working in the industry you know I've done the 20 hour days followed by 20 hour day followed by so on and so forth and it's so easy to go from really enjoying your working time to not liking it disliking Mm. it very very quickly so we make a real effort to make sure the guys are well rested and ready to take on their shift and have that work-life balance yeah i mean on one hand it must be it must give you an incredible buzz to be in a kitchen it's like really high pressured and fun loads of orders coming in but yeah on the other hand you want to make sure that you're working with people that you enjoy working with because you don't want to be completely high pressured yeah in a high pressure environment with also people that you're not getting along with so it's finding that balance you're right and i often walk past jake sticks and every time i peek in which is a lot you always look super smiley and happy and so it's it's obvious that you all get along so what does a healthy work-life balance mean to you if i'm being honest i'm still working on it 
I think being an entrepreneur, there is no off switch. Run your own business, you know, you can always answer that email. There's always something to do. As I've matured, I have realized that taking that time out and rejuvenating and forgetting about the business, you do come back stronger and you've got more energy to take on, you know, your to-do list better. I think for the first three years, you know, I was running the company solo. I didn't have a work-life balance at all. But since Taryn came on board and my wife, we've definitely made an effort to have more of that. It's not sustainable running a business on your own. Sometimes things like that need to be done, though, to get to the place that you want to be. And, you know, not everybody who starts a business is successful for a number of reasons, like countless. But if you are an entrepreneur, as you were saying just a moment ago, there is always that one email to answer. I don't necessarily think that's such a bad thing as long as it's your passion if you started this business because it's your baby I don't see there being a huge problem with that if you're working on something it's giving you energy it's a buzz really at the end of the day but on the other hand if you're doing it constantly non-stop 24 hours a day yeah it can be draining so you need to be working with people that are going to support you as well 100% I agree on every point there yeah you can't do it all yourself and at the beginning you kind of want to and you kind of have to because you know your resources are limited and you're learning but over yeah you've got to push past and that's the make and break for a lot of people and I've felt it you know like I can't be an accountant do the operations lug the market stall stuff cook the market stall stuff you can't do everything yeah so over time it comes I think it comes with time did you find it easy to let go and delegate all these uh, things? It's, I think it's always a challenge letting go of things that you could do yourself and having to train people to do them. And But as time goes on, yes, I'm, I'm becoming a lot more comfortable with doing that because I know that it's for the best. Yeah. Yeah. So when you are having your downtime, what are your favourite self-care activities and why? We try to eat well, we stay healthy. I like to exercise daily to kind of release some stress mm. and to get the endorphins going. I'm also practising the miracle morning. I don't know if you've heard about the miracle morning. Is it where you wake up? It's early, yeah. It's a it's a personal development program by Hal Elrod. I'd highly recommend anyone listening to to grab a copy. It's one of those books that like you want to buy everyone you know for Christmas. Like it's that rewarding. Going back to the entrepreneur lifestyle and not having that balance. I tried it back in 2017 and I was like, wow, this is incredible. I did it for one month. I think I made it to 30 days. They say to try and get to 30 and then it's part of your habit and your lifestyle. But I slipped back into overworking again. But now I've managed to incorporate into my daily routine. I don't get up at five every day. I try to get up at five, but I try and at least get six, six and a half hours sleep. So if even if I go to bed at one, I try and get up at eight, 8.30, you know, and whatever, you know, whatever the circumstances. But the most important part of it all is to fit in practices so meditating starting your day with silence you know not checking your phone i don't take it off airplane mode until i finish my workout so yeah practicing gratitude and having affirmations and positive visualizations and yeah it gets a bit spiritual but it's been really rewarding R- reading so um that one's a great one you know i find it hard to read any other time in the day other than the morning other than before like eight o'clock because there's always something that takes it out of you and after you finish a day on doing admin you just want to conk out and then scribing as well journaling and kind of getting your thoughts out onto paper has really helped as well yeah these are all yeah. great things yeah yeah i i try to get up at five grab coffee or a couple of them and most of the time get back into bed and try to read the news okay so yeah i agree with you there it's much easier to read in the morning but all these things that you're really doing offline 
I think it's Same getting problem. away from the the phone and the TV and the computer and think that anything that you can do which is spiritual, yeah. I think, is a really good activity to get yourself back into your zone. Reset yeah. and prime yourself for the day, yeah. yeah. Uh, so what are your favourite things on the menu today? Ah, oh, it changes, it changes. For a long time it was the fungi and parmesan, so really rich flavours, creamy, shroomy, mushroomy. If you're a mushroom fan, you'll love it. But recently it's been the pepperoni pizza steak, just because it's such an unusual sandwich. You know, you've got the flavours of a pizza in mean, every bite, but it's a sandwich, so we pack the bread full with seitan, caramelised onions, peppers, on a bed of garlic mayo, and then you've got the salty pepperoni slices in there, finished with like this fruity pizza sauce and this kind of velvety light mozzarella, a little bit of oregano over the top, and that's it. It's just super juicy. It's an experience. You're getting hungry now. Yeah. So good. Yeah. What else? Time fries, classic, just really simple, well-seasoned fries, skin on, julienne, cheeky bit of Heinz on the side, really simple. And we've got some amazing hot fried donuts as well that we cook to order with this really rich dark chocolate dipping sauce, which is super popular. They're, they're up there as well. Yeah. Have you got anything on mind for like Christmas menu? Christmas, we always try to launch kind of like a light seitan based product. So last year we did a, a turkey sub with some cranberry sauce, some fried stuffing and stuff like that. So yeah, planning to make a comeback potentially. Yeah. Coming soon. So how can people get their hands on Jake's steak and connect with you on IG? So we're currently operating six days a week at our takeaway shop. So yeah, 5pm to 9.30, Tuesday to Friday. And then we operate weekend trade on Saturday, so 12 to 9.30. And then Sunday you can come down for like a lazy lunch, 12 to 8.30. Or get it delivered to your house within two kilometres from the shop. You can connect with us, drop us a DM on Instagram. We're always open, we're very active. So yeah, feel free to send us a message or an email. We're an open book. Well, thank you so much Thanks for, for having chatting me. to us at Hashtag No Filter. I love it. It's Thanks. been incredible. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Woo. Cheers.